Hi folks. The warnings this week I realize are going to sound grim and it is sort of a grim subject. So our warnings this week are corpses, death, uh, funerals, grief, and COVID. And anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers. Did you interview a nurse or a mortician? Neither. Okay. We'll get to that. The next warning is that we have animals. If you heard the door creaking, that was Orange Cat coming in. Sergey Cat is sitting on my desk now and starting to make the if you don't feed me, everything will go badly for you. So I'm just petting him to try to appease him until such time as we take our break because he waited until we pushed start recording to actually, you know, do the... Oh, no, Orange Cat, not you two. As you can see, animals are an interruption. Yes, and this leads us to point three. We swear frequently at the animals, so... Hello, Orange Cat. Uh, Orange, no, you don't want lime, take a touch of lime Topo Chico. So anyway, be advised, there will be swearing and animals and possibly discussions of death and corpses. Yes. So, hi folks, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 219. So this um, is an uplifting episode is what you're saying. It's a thing. Um, returning guest Heather Lowe has a lot to talk about because the last year has been a doozy. Since we spoke last, uh, I guess that would have been about 20 months ago, almost two years ago. Uh, but 2020 and 2021 were a thing. Uh, certainly they were, and yeah. uh, no one no one is judging if they were a thing. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to... I think one of the things that isn't so grim about this, even though it's a very serious subject, is we're going to talk a lot about what goes into the... After a loved one passes. Which, honestly, I always think there should be a class that you take on this. Like, right. that you take a class in high school on how to balance a checkbook, right. and which is usually taught by the gym teacher, and, like, nobody really cares. Consumer economics, you didn't take that? No, they didn't force me to take that. Oh, I, yeah. I went to the gifted and talented school. Yeah. So uh, I was I, in I, probably a theater class, technical theater class. Yes. This yeah. is probably why you were always broke for many, many years. Oh, yeah, that's... that's yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can balance a checkbook. I just don't Choose necessarily spend responsibly. Uh, oh, okay. Well, as long as we're clear. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but there is no class on what you do and what you have to take care of when a loved one passes away. And this is right. a big deal... I had to deal with it a few years ago myself, and it was, like, just the enormity of the shit I did not know. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, okay, do uh, where where do I file this? Do I have to file this? Do I owe money for this? Oh, it costs money to... It definitely costs money to get people, you know... Uh, oh, yeah. ...cremated, and... Uh, uh, and we had the the most basic, please put him in a styrofoam container kind of cremation. Apparently, there are limits on what you can put a body into a cremated. Yeah. So, uh, you're not allowed to show up with your own Tupperware and be like, "Can you put him in this?" Did, did did someone actually try that? No, I've just been told you can't do that. Uh, but. Well, okay. You, if you are on a serious budget, you can ask because, like, I think it costs like nearly a thousand dollars to have the the cremation. Done. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, you can ask the funeral director what it, it, can I bring my own container and what is required for that. 
uh, because they will, they will, you know, urns are agonizingly expensive. And while you can't bring Tupperware, you may be able to find a suitable uh, thing that, uh, that you yes. can, you know, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, upcycle your old Sunny Delight bottles to store grandma. I'm just saying that, that, uh, wow, what? that is, that is going somewhere. <laughs> That is going somewhere. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'll stop talking. Now. Yeah, back back on track. Back on track. But yes, there should be a class that we, you can yeah. take that is like this is everything you need to know. And I'm gonna be very understanding of people who just cannot deal with this right now. The people who just want to give the rest of the episode a pass because it's a hard subject. And if you're not, if you don't want to deal with it right now, we'll be here. Yes. The episode will last. The episode will be here, you yeah. know, for you when you find you may need it. Yes, that's the plan anyway. Um, so, yeah, there, you've been extra, extra warned. Uh, I will say that it is an incredibly useful interview. I learned a lot. Um, and uh, you should also be aware that uh, there were some technical difficulties with the Internet. Uh, in the first portion of the interview, we actually had to take a break for a week because I think it was Heather's internet just fell down completely. So we're just like, you know what? Let's just reschedule. We'll figure it out later. And so um, you will notice that quality difference, but it's still... It's temporary. Wow. The rest of the interview is is, yeah. is fine. Bear yeah. with it. It's it's really... I And again, like everyone, I, I learned so much and it was a really good discussion. Um, and I've already used some of that with people we know, say, hey, this person might need to know this or that or the other, or maybe they should just listen to this episode. Um, I know that when, yeah. um, uh, that what helped me enormously was our friend Badger. Yes. Who had just gone through it not that long ago and sat down and gave me basically the entire rundown of of hospice care, why you want it, what it does, what they can do, mm -hmm. and how it will run on rails after that. And that was so helpful. I was floundering yeah. and that was really useful. Yeah. So. so, hey, shout out to all you hospice nurses out there who are doing the best you can for everybody uh, else. You are in doing these the Lord's work, and I yeah. say this as a non Christian. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. <clears throat> Otherwise, um, you have started your exercise plan this week. I have, and uh, it's it's cool. The uh, the the gentleman, the, the the trainer, sort of virtual personal trainer that yeah, I'm yeah. consulting, who was very nice and came very highly recommended. Uh, you can find him on Twitter as I, I linked it in last week's oh, show notes. Excellent. Um, then yeah. yeah, gains underscore af uh, yeah. is the other thing, or himbo chef. Uh, he does videos if you just want to salivate over a, you know, really ripped dude in a tank top cooking. Um, which, you know, it makes everyone's life better if you want to do that occasionally. Uh, it's hard for me because he looks so young. I'm like, okay, now I feel weird. Uh, anyway, um, yes, so uh, I have been... And and he was very good when I explained I have ADHD like like worse like than, a thing like a thing who squirrel, and so 
what? So I'm like, with the Excuse best me. intentions in the world, there is no chance that I am going to sit down for an hour and work and do a workout I'm every like, day. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, or probably, you know, I might do it twice, and then I'll be like. Or I'll start it, and then the dog will have to go out, and then I'll see a bug, and then it'll be three hours later, and I'm planting radishes. And I've yeah. never finished the workout, and probably the engine is running on the car, and the doors are open, and water is running somewhere. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that last week, yes. Yes, so uh, he's been very good He's about that. He's like, yeah, you know... Uh, do here this is broken down into day one day two day three but do them at any point in the week uh you know one set if that's what you can do do that and uh it's been uh so i have been trying to uh do that and so far it's it's not hard exactly i mean some of the individual exercises i'm like wow i feel the the i can tell i've been somewhere with that <laughs> but uh uh it's if i arrange it so that because i think i should do this like about 50 times a day because brain like squirrel so the trick to almost anything with adhd is to have the equipment to do it on hand yep. at the point you think about it so for example uh if I think I should clean the sink, it does me no good because if I have to go downstairs, get the cleaning supplies, right. the sink will never be cleaned because by the time I am downstairs getting cleaning supplies, I have already, you know, thought of a new novel idea and uh, taken the dog out, bug, doors open, And this water is why running. there are resistance bands all over the house now. Yes. So... But if I have the stuff right there, then the minute I think of it... I can do it, which means there's a resistance band in the bedroom, there's one in the living room, uh, so that, you know, if I'm sitting at the kitchen table and think, I could do the band pull-apart, I have to walk, like, five feet to pick it up, it's right, right there, and right. I can do it. Uh, so a lot of the other ones don't require equipment at all, uh, which is very helpful, um, and he's understanding of things like, like he said in the thing, do a push-up variant. If you have to do it against the wall, do that. If you have to do it, you know, on a lower table or on, you know, anything, whatever has you doing it and not just laying on the floor, you know. He didn't say that. Right, but, the, right. but if I have to do a push-up, I'm going to lay on the floor, manage like a half inch off, and then curse the gods. Uh, but I can do them on the dresser. Like, yep. and I, I feel plenty of burn in the old biceps. Oh, yeah. And I, but I can still do a set of 10 there that I will never do on the floor, both because arm like noodles and uh, boobs like cantaloupe. So there are. Yeah, you know, it's really difficult for you to like get all the way flat on the floor for a push up. Yes. Uh, I can certainly do it. I just wish I hadn't. So, right. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of variations, and it's just, you know, do this with your body weight, do this with whatever weight feels challenging. And uh, I broke out the dumbbells. I did one thing. I was like, wow, yeah, that uh, that five-pound weight on each one is, uh, right, it's seven pound with the, with the bar. That, that yeah, that that is the thing. Uh, yeah, the, I, I, I did a full 
set of set the thing I was doing. Of the thing you were doing, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see how that would be very challenging, even at that low a weight, because of how you have to hold your arms and yeah, things like that. I mean, obviously, I, you're going to be able to do it easier than I am, because you know. yeah, I was going to say I was, you know, picking up not very far, mind you, and moving the unassembled, you know, the box of bed frame that arrived yesterday around the porch just to get it out of the way it was like the, the delivery guys put it right there in the middle of the gate so you can actually open the gate yeah they put my live plants on on the tailgate of the truck in the sun and i'm miffed yeah, about that yeah. but anyway the the thing that i always thought weightlifting was interesting but had no idea how it, it, there looked like such a massive learning curve but he's very good in that like he has the whole list of instructions. He has the how many times you should try to do them, you know, which is always a range. You know, do a set of one to ten is the range. So if you yeah. can only do one, you're doing one. Maybe you'll be able to do two next time. And the, you know, then the notes uh, using uh, Google Sheets. Yeah. Which shares easily. Then the notes. And then there's like, there's like six. I should show you the spreadsheet just because you like spreadsheets. There's like six... <laughs> you know, different sheets, and one is just links to videos of form and how to do them. Uh, that's Yeah, that's that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, and one is, you know, okay, this is what, this set of exercises is working, you know, this part of your body and stuff like that. And then there, and there's, like, a hardcore one if you're the sort of person who is looking to, you know, increase their bicep size and measure everything, and it's I, like, yeah, no. I just would like to be stronger. Yes. So, so that's, that's your, and I mean, you're still making word count and things while all that's going on, which is cool. Oh, yes, of course. So I, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I also, be proud of me, I took Monday as a work in the garden day rather than a, a word count day and spent four hours with the weed whacker clearing all of the paths, which, uh, speaking of workouts, my, my bicep, my left bicep is still really sore oh yeah that. yeah that'll yeah four hours of holding a vibrate thing is just gnarly and uh, but the paths are clear and uh except for the one plant that volunteered that i can't bring myself to kill so now i just have to walk around it okay it's camphor yep. weed aka plowman's wort and we know nothing about it like if you google it the top hit is probably my live journal post saying we know nothing about this plant. <laughs> I got it from the botanical garden and they're like, yeah, it's something, maybe a perennial, maybe it's a biennial. Don't remember. Gets, it can get like five feet tall, I think. Right it's on. probably pollinated by flies. Right on. And this concludes the sum of human knowledge about plowman's wart. And Chickens uh, eat it? I don't think so. It's it, it's it's very. It's also called camphor weed because it smells oh, well, really. Oh well, it smells pungent. like camphor. Yeah, 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 so. yeah, so, yeah. And it's as far as I can tell, it is completely useless. Like in an ecological sense, it provides no edible seeds. Uh, no, no butterflies host on it. It just is there, and I'm honestly kind of fond of it because things don't have to be useful. To be valuable. Okay, yeah, that that is that is some yes. Important. So yeah. it's now in the middle of the path, and we will all just walk around it until it yes. says seed. Sergey, yeah, did you hear that, Sergey? You don't have to be useful to be valuable. That's a good thing too, because you are the opposite of useful. 
Yes. You are actively detrimental. I am actively petting his paw pads right now, so I'm either going to get bitten or he's just going to like fall asleep on me. You got bitten by a chicken earlier. I got today. well, yes, yes. Um, Buffy the hen has gone broody again and again. unexpectedly, despite I, Kevin's efforts to yes to remove all of the eggs from where she is. And so I'm like, <laughs> fine, if you're going to be broody this year, instead of trying to break you of it and have you just be grumpy and complainy and bitchy all over the yard for like. A week and a half. It, some ha chickens, it's very hard to break a broodiness. It's like it's it's literally a thing, they, a chemical like thing they go yeah, into. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's a, a full thing, and so I mean, and last year I had to, I, I, I she got broody about this time. Now that I think about it, um, and I basically kicked kicked her out of the nest box, took all of the eggs, and then she wandered around the yard for the next week just maybe two weeks just making that angry broody chicken irk 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 and just yeah. yeah and the funny thing is buffy is actually a very easy chicken to break from no, being broody. yeah 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 uh, some chickens you can't yeah. like uh, that people are like you know you go to chicken farms like I dipped them in cold water, which sometimes the temperature change helps. People are trying all kinds of things. Uh, some birds will go broody at the drop of a hat. Silkies. And the uh, the biggest problem is that um, if you cannot break them after a sufficiently long time, it can actually have fairly serious yeah. health effects because... Yeah. All they are doing is sitting in a corner. They're not going to walk around. They're neglecting their Oh, health, no, they, they will get up once a day. Yeah, exactly. They will eat all of the things. They will take a massive stinky shit. Yes. And then they will go back in and sit. Yeah, which is not good. And and parasites build up because they're not yeah, moving and yeah. it, it can be very unhealthy for them. So you don't want them going broody if you can avoid it. But uh, this time she's just getting some bantam eggs to raise. Yeah, I mean, she already, she, I, I took out all the eggs yesterday and then when I came back this morning, apparently a couple of the bantams had laid overnight and she had already taken those eggs and put them underneath her. And she bit me when I went to check. So I'm just like, if that's how you are going to be, I'm just going to shove a couple more bantam eggs underneath you. You probably won't need to. She'll probably glom them herself. Well, it, those for the, for the two that like to lay eggs in there, yes. For the one that's been laying in the same spot as giant Becky and um, gray, not so much. The so. uh, the hilarious thing, if you want to see a hen pick up an egg or roll an egg under herself. Oh, my God. Uh, imagine hungry, hungry hippos. It really is. Essentially with a chicken. It just stretches neck out farther than you would think possible. Hooks beak, sly, retracts back. Uh, it's it's hilarious. I caught one of the bantam hens trying to do it with a, a grown hen egg. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, honey. If you can get that under you, more power to you. I mean, it, it wasn't like sh she wasn't broody or anything. She was just like, oh, there is a loose egg and I must gather it because that's what they do. And I'm just like, oh, honey. Oh, honey. So uh, the other the other big news is uh, big project number one. I sent the we are done email today. Woohoo! And so I will be celebrating um, our successful completion at some point, I don't know if it will be a big celebration or a small celebration or if it might have to be a delayed celebration because I will not see the team in question in person until, uh, I guess, June of next year when we have our global all hands. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. Um, so did Orange Cat just go up yeah. to the, the yeah. Tower of Solitude? Okay. Um, 
So yeah, congrats. That's wonderful. yeah. No, I'm I'm really excited. And the other big project should be, I think all of my work on it will be done in the next day or two. And so we just have to wait for the public announcement. In let me look at the calendar over there. Oh wait, that's still September. But yeah, like two weeks. That reminds me. I mm -hmm. also had a thing. Yeah. Uh, the Paladin, next Paladin book, Paladin's Hope, Paladin's Galen's Hope. Story, available for pre-order. I put that out this week. Sorry, I got really distracted talking about Plowman's work. No, no, but did, did, did Amazon finally accept that? Oh, you... yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, th apparently the problem was not anything to do with, with, uh, that, uh, there, another book exists called The Paladin's Hope from, oh, like, a t uh, over a decade ago, I think, yeah. different author, different genre, I mean, it's fantasy, but it's not male male uh, gay romance which yeah. uh, so all they wanted basically was for me to send a note back going okay if you're talking about this one the title is slightly different the cover is wildly different the author is different the plot is different the description is different and the genre is different and they were like cool it's good so yeah yeah which was honestly the fastest interaction I've ever had with Amazon. Possibly the fact that I said I am one of your 57 North authors moved. It might have had something to do with it. Yes, it's, uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You have an interview. I have an interview. Um, and it is, again, like I said, it's, it's not the happiest subject. Um, and there is, but there is some humor. Uh, your reminder that we are going to talk about death and funerals and grief and handling corpses and COVID. And there is also some anti-masker and anti-vaxxer stuff going on in the discussion. So, um, not that they are an anti-masker. No, 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 no. The no. person, the person who passed is not, they're just relatives who came in. Right. Right. Um, anyway, we will have that for you right after this. today with Heather, and Heather is returning to us. How long ago was it you were on, Heather? About 18 months. About 18 months? And it has been a hell of an 18 months at this point. So, um, can you reintroduce yourself, tell us a little bit about what you do, and uh, and then we'll start some, we'll, we'll play a little catch-up. Absolutely. Um, I am still physical security for Intel. Um, it's been, it's been a hell of a year as far as the gap between essential services and first responder goes. Um, I am still attempting to be an artist as my focus, but not necessarily as my day job to pay the bills. Mm. And I am now a caregiver for one rather than two, as opposed to the last time that I talked to you where I had two um, primary patients and one of them passed away. So I think that's probably what we're going to focus on in this interview. 
Yeah, because there, that's that's like that's a big change, right? A huge change. Yeah. So how did that, like, in a before and after sense, like now we can start talking about in the before times, in the during times, and now that we're at the tail end of the dur- during times, you know, there's there's probably shifts happening. So you've just yep. had a big transition in the last several months, like the last year. I mean, other than all this. Um, I actually went back and listened to the interview that we did um, a couple of times before I was doing this interview because I wanted to make sure that I didn't reiterate things that I'd said before, but also I wanted to make sure that there were some continuations from what I'd said before. And Grandma passed away two months almost to the day from when that interview aired. So April 30th of 2020 right on the cusp of when everything shut down for COVID. One of the first things that I want to talk about is the difference between someone passing away in care and someone passing away outside of care. No, we're just going (laughs) to die right into the corpses part. Um, Right. Hold on. Let me write content warning corpses. God, yes. Content warning. (laughs) Yeah. Dot, dot everything at this point. Um, so we talked about end-of-life care, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it only ramps up. Um, I noticed that things were getting... The best way I can say is stretched. Um, when you know that someone is getting ready to leave you, mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. relationship with their body becomes very thin. And the best way I can describe that is that they are almost transparent, where a normal person that is connected to their body and connected to their life would be opaque. Okay. And I noticed that with grandma over a period of a couple of weeks and talked to them about it, and they were okay with hospice care coming in. And because Mm -hmm. she was incredibly stubborn, she passed about 48 hours before hospice care resumed. Um, sorry sorry i mean if you can't laugh right oh believe me it's a thing um there's a part of me that will burn in hell for having discovered her having passed away because it was the first day that mom came over to really help me with her daily care because mom had remote before this Mm-hmm. And this was the first day that she'd shown up and we went and we got her, her breakfast shake and the whole nine yards and we went back there and grandma was gone. I had put her to bed and somewhere in the intervening five hours, she had decided that that was all she wrote. Yeah. And went back there and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, holy shit, this is not ideal. This is not what I wanted to introduce my mother to care for. And I grabbed my mom and we went out into the living room and I kind of shook her a little bit and hollered, you know what? She's not getting any debtor, so let's have a meltdown. (laughs) And we did. And there's a part of me, probably go to hell for that, but that's fine. Um, Having a random death. That's actually a pretty healthy response, I would say. 
you know, I gotta say, there's a huge difference between someone passing away um, outside of medical care. Mm-hmm. If she had been in hospice, then hospice would have taken care of dealing with the death, death certificate, dealing with right. all of right. the various things that go with that, because grandma was stubborn and decided that she didn't want help and she was going to go out on her own terms, which she absolutely did. We had about a month's warning and she declined very rapidly in the last two weeks. Um, and because it yeah. was COVID, absolutely no one could come and be with her other than us. Right, right. So we were there and that was her death of choice in her own home with her own family. And that is, as we discussed in the last interview, the best success you can give someone is the death they want. Yes. Yeah. That was the one she asked for. So I feel no guilt over that. Um, however, when you're dealing a lot with to clean someone. Up. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. And that's just the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,. Um, both my grandparents have a service that when they mm-hmm. pass away, they will come and collect them. Okay. They will cremate them. And they will return them to you. And as far as I'm concerned, that is one of the greatest gifts that they have given me in my entire life. Um, however, when someone passes away outside of care, you have to notify your local constabulary. And they have to come and do a basic investigation, which includes at least one member of the family being present while they review the remains and make sure that there's nothing untoward. And then they pass their findings on to the local coroner. And the local coroner contacts your GP and finds out what's going on with you. And the local coroner went, oh, God, yes, no, she was... She was beyond um, she was beyond salvation in several medical ways. This is completely reasonable. Oh dear God, please just let it let it go how it's normal. Which I can't really blame them for. Um, right, right. She had some outstanding issues. So the part that no one's really prepared for is that the police show up and they're very nice. And they're very sweet. And they have to do some very difficult things. And then they leave. And you still have a dead person in whatever room they decided to deceive themselves in. And you have to stay there with them until the body wagon shows up. And if they have an arrangement, that means that that particular company will come and retrieve them. And in this case, it was an absolutely lovely couple that actually met on the job. (laughs) (laughs) Dated while they were on the job and married and made their own funeral company because they felt like it was a calling. And they were fabulous to work with. They had a sense of humor about it. Um, they understood that we had to wait till grandpa got home from dialysis because he wanted to say goodbye. And yeah, yeah. It, was, it was quite a process. And then 
they actually managed to get all of her rings off so that we wow. could retain um, there was an anniversary and a wedding ring that went with mom and then there was mm-hmm. one that she always wore 110% of the time that went with me and that's not the easiest thing when you're talking about someone that's passed a few hours or more before um, things happen biologically that make it very difficult to remove jewelry particularly yes. if that jewelry is fitted and they were incredibly understanding about this and managed to get her out of the space that she was in, which had several sharp corners, and she was in full rigor at the time. And yeah. in and dealt with. Um, and that was not a great day. And the next day, I have to admit that after several months of working 40 hours a week, plus 20 to 30 hours a week of caregiving, plus my normal life, I went and got a bottle of cheap rum and was absolutely insensate for about 48 hours. Well, I cannot necessarily recommend this as a healthy way of dealing, you know what? If you got to do it, go do it. It's a thing. Everybody, yeah, everybody has their own ways. Of dealing with it. I mean, I do remember that, um, oh, we got hammered as a family after, oh after my grandfather's funeral. Um, and they had, they had people to take care of all of that. So it was, it so that we could have our, our moment and our meltdown and our complete, you know, whatever after the fact instead of in the middle of it. But, yeah. um, you know, but that was the thing. There, there was a lot of, I guess planning that kind of went into it to make sure that, or so that it was just like, yeah, okay, everything is on autopilot now until after the funeral, and then we start to deal with the next levels of things. And that's a completely normal component of grieving. I will mm-hmm. say that her passing away at the very forefront of COVID shutting down meant that the only funeral we had was several months later when her church decided to do a Zoom service for everyone they'd lost in the preceding year. Yeah. So at yeah. no point did the family actually gather together to grieve. And there's a part of me that's still, you know, I will go to Home Goods and see a red and white pig-shaped platter and think to myself, oh, God, Grandma would love that. Oh, wait. Not an issue anymore. Yeah. I am... I I have... I'm trying not to make this about me, right? Because it just doesn't... But there's a similarness to it. My my uncle... My father's brother-in-law, who is my uncle and whatever... um, passed recently and we've had to postpone um anything to do with the family uh until such time as as it is it is safe um someone who i know through fandom and the dorsi regulars succumbed to it very early on and i know there's an open spot with his wife um even now for the chance for their extended family 
to come together in, in fandom. I mean, it's really hard right now, yeah. you know? And there's still, we are not a family that grieves in company. Gotcha. We, we have a moment. We either drink or don't drink or congregate in one place for a few hours. And then we go off to our own places and we have a complete meltdown in private as is appropriate by the introverted rules of how we deal with you. <laughs> we do not right. impose that on anyone else as much as humanly possible. Um, it is inevitable that it will creep into your personal life, into your work life, into your whatever mm -hmm. life. Um, I actually wound up taking about two months off um, right before Grandma passed because of my grandfather's spinal surgery. Right. Um, right. But that was not necessarily connected to her end of life, although it did facilitate a chunk of it. But at the same time, I took two days off after she died and went back to work. Yeah. Um, that's just what you do. You, you fall apart in private. You don't fall apart in public. So the concept of having a memorial service or someplace that you grieve in public made sense to grandpa. Mm -hmm. And it very much made sense to him to honor her. Mm -hmm. um, but the rest of us were like, Oh God, no, please, dear God. Um, thank you for the plague. Let us not do this actual thing. No one wants to be forced to grieve in public with other people who walk up to you and grab you and go, oh, God, we're sad. Let's be sad together. And we're like, no, let's not. Have a cheese straw. Yeah. And, and let's add plague times on top of it. Yeah. 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 So having that Zoom service was really... Um, really important for him mm -hmm. and most of us kind of just clustered in around the edges and went oh dear god thank god it's over we don't have to do this again right right some of the family that remembered her fondly showed up within the first week after she was passed and i appreciate their dedication and i hope they never do it again <laughs> it it was it was very random, and we kind of didn't get much warning, and it was one of those things where it was like, all right, you, you will go and get a haircut. I will, I will scrub the floors. Someone else will vacuum. Everyone will pretend like we do not need you to stay and take care of us because we don't. Yeah. Because yeah. all go away and let us process in, in private. So. And also, you're sleeping in your cars. Don't think I'm letting you in my house in the plague times. <laughs> uh, no, they actually had a hotel room. Um, okay. Clearly, but they're Republican, so they did not believe oh, yeah. in masks. Mm. It was problematic mm. because, of course, it was in April. Uh, slash yep. early May of last year. So, you know, love, love, go home. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then once you have discovered your reality, 
Mm-hmm. And you processed it. You metabolize into what do you do next? And the next thing that you do, hopefully, um, both of mine had a service called Neptune that would come and retrieve them and um, dispose of them as they felt appropriate and then return them to their families, which was excellent. However, you have to start thinking about who issues the death certificate. Because there's two types. There's a short form and a long form. The short form says, my God, this person is dead. The long form explains why. And there's a couple of places where that's really important. Yeah, I remember I, I remember when Ursula's stepfather died and we were getting advice and my mother was like, get was it was it was my mother or someone in the family was just like get as many copies of the death certificate as you as you think you you'll need and then double it. Okay, at least two of each. Yeah. Because some places okay. accept copies and some won't. If there is any kind of life insurance, they are mm-hmm. going to need a long and you will have to mail them an original. They will mail it back to you when they're done with it, but that means that you've got one copy tied up. Right. Um, and they're not you cheap. Have a, no, they're not. They're 20 or 30 bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a service, they will provide at least one of each for you. They will notify the state and they will notify Social Security, which is fine. If there is a surviving partner, this becomes a little bit hairier. In my case, the surviving partner was the male that had Uh a larger income than grandma. So we did not have to deal with survivor benefits. We just had to notify them. They figured out when she died. They paid us out for the number of days that she was alive and terminated services. Right. Same with Medicare. Um, You have to notify both of them, but they trickle down from the state. So if you are in vague paralysis, they'll find out before you can call them. So you don't have to worry about that too too horribly much. Right, right. That's going to be taken care of for you. If someone that you love passes away in care, mm-hmm. which is a totally different thing, like my, gra- my great-grandmother did, um, all of this is taken care of. The, the remains are dealt with according to their wishes. The death certificates are issued. Everyone is notified. You're good to go because they've been in care generally for long enough that they don't have utilities bills, that they don't have um, title to cars, title to an estate, title to a house. All of these things have already been dealt with. Yes. And that's one of the things that you deal with when you transfer into a care facility. Um, I would say that that is partially fabulous and partially not depends on what you want to happen and what they want to happen. Right. So 
pros and cons. Um, one of the things that we did pretty soon after Grandma passed was to get a referral from <laughs> actually my um, 401k manager or an estate lawyer. And she was a fabulous resource for us. Um, she set us up with a durable power of attorney and gave right. us a list of things we needed to do. And one of those things is that when you pass away, a lot of people assume that if you tell your bank that this person has passed away, that they'll freeze the account. That is no longer the case. Oh, good. Because I remember that happening to my grandfather. Yes. Especially if there's more than one person on the account. We got lucky enough that uh, Grandma and Grandpa had joint accounts and they had Mom on that same account. Mm-hmm. So we have kept that account active for the last year and a half to make certain that all of her estate's uh, credits and debits have been dealt with. Right. And at some point, we will close that account because it was also incorporated under a living trust that is no longer in effect. Um, and mom and I and grandpa will have a joint bank account at that bank mm-hmm. probably in the next couple of weeks. But we have kept that open because there's been a great many things. Um, there's some credit card bills. There's... Um, a lot of things that were in her name that he never transferred, um, for the longest time, the cell phone bill was in her name. We finally got that canceled and transferred over, but there's a lot of things like that. If you've got a survivor of the estate, yeah, keep it open, keep it open for at least a year, uh, maybe two, depending I, on what needs to go in and out. I, I remember Reagan talking about that when we spoke to her. Um, and also, I, I will uh, second your word for an estate lawyer. Um, also, we have ourselves a lawyer to do our wills. By the way, if you are listening, you have any sort of dependence or whatever, and you don't have a will, go fix that right fucking now. Make certain that the people in your life understand how your affairs need to be sorted out because you could be hit by a bus tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is this is not a how long can I live. This is a life is mercurial and you need to make certain that the people in your life know what you want. Because as far as I'm concerned, all of my worldly goods go to my animals. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're picking up from where technical difficulties threw the whole thing right into the crapper about a week ago. And you should have heard us discussing, okay, where did we leave off? Where are my notes? Where are your notes? What did we talk about? You know, so that we can kind of pick up uh, where we left off. So we just finished talking about um, who to notify and the two different types of death certificates. And, uh, man, this one's this one's morbid. I keep forgetting that. So... Um, so anyway, uh, we were going to talk about life insurance. You had, you had some stuff about life insurance other than get it. 
and there's multiple types. So one of the things that we encountered um, when we were sorting everything out, grandma only had one policy um, and that was uh, pay on decease. So it, hmm, trying, trying to think about the, the different types of life insurance, the two that we've encountered, um, are the ones that pay on decease and the ones that are only for a term. Uh, those usually come from like working in a lumber mill. That's, that's how I encountered this through sorting out grandpa's paperwork um, after all this happened, just to make sure that I didn't have to do it again. And the company offered him the option of a policy that would last 20 years. And since he was a machinist and electrician, you know, figured, you know, heavy machinery, all this stuff, not a bad idea. So he took it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the first one found for him. Um, and typically women in my grandparents' generation probably won't have life insurance. It, it was a very different time. And in a lot of cases, you either got it through your work or you knew an insurance agent that was a friend of the family kind of thing. Um, so the first... <laughs> I'm a little scattered today too. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that that first policy that we found of Grandpa's was that term, and it expired. Gotcha. Then we found out that both of them had um, a full full life, essentially life insurance policy through a different company. So we had already talked to the first company, and they're like, "No, this has nothing to do with us." It's like, "Fine, not a problem." I had to check this out. Finally got in touch with the second company. Turns out that much like with everything else, you need to have contacted them and gotten permission to talk to them while your person was alive. Uh-huh. <laughs> have any questions about the policy? about what you are supposed to submit, about what that policy does, because we found that they had the policies. We found that they mm -hmm. did not have the contract that goes with it. So we did oh. not have the details of the policies. So to get permission to discuss this with the life ins insurance company rep, you almost have to have been the beneficiary or introduced to them Prehumously. Gotcha. That got interesting. Um, but the lady was able to kind of tap dance around her, her regulations just enough to give me some clue what they needed and what we could expect. Mm -hmm. um, and then also details that are included in some older policies, um, they would be taxed at a different rate. They would be delivered in a different format. Right. So having some idea what's coming when you're coming down to, um, are we going to have to pay a huge amount of tax on this? How is it? Is it considered income? Some policies were written oddly. Or is it considered um, inheritance? Like how... How are we going to figure this out? Those kinds of details that would be included in the policy that we didn't have. Right, 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 right. 
and I I did manage to get just enough info to know that cashing in the policy or or receiving those those funds wasn't actually going to screw up my grandfather too badly. Right, 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 right. Because yeah, that's a that is that is a thing, and I remember um, my grandmother did a lot of pre-planning. So had worked with the lawyers, had worked with all of this so that um, there was still the the management of the estate that had to be done by her executor, my aunt, but that all of those settles about, well, you know, taxes have to be paid, is this one type or another, had all sort of been prearranged and there was, it was a lot more of information gathering and then... Um, you know, disbursement of the estate, not as much um, spelunking. Spelunking, I think, is the right term. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we have discovered over the years is that while a great deal of the recent paperwork is in decent order, the older paperwork, um, some of it had disappeared, some of it had uh, been kept way in excess of its usefulness, so, yeah, spelunking is a good way yeah. to put that. I mean, and and there's, even for myself, I know I have paperwork that I probably won't need or don't need anymore, but am not, like, it's very unclear. No one says you need this for X amount of time and not forever. Mm-hmm. I think I can probably finally get rid of my tax documents from 2020, or no, not 2020, 20. 22002002 two. <laughs> right yeah, but yeah, generally they say keep those for 10 years um, yeah yeah and i think utilities bills were 3 something like that but yet again i couldn't find the power bill from the month before but they still had Statements from 1964 tucked in a box somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem, right? I would happily pay that same company the price that we were billed in 1964. However, <laughs> they're not going to be happy about that. No. <laughs> not even a little bit. Um, how about that? Let me check my notes to see what was... Up next. Yeah. Also, I'm just watching your dog cavort on the couch behind you. So. Yes, all three of them have opinions about where they should be and how it should be when they're there. Yeah. Apparently, we were um, uh, we were at my parents' house the other night uh, for dinner. My my kids are in town, and um, while we were out, apparently the cats um, all had opinions about what was wrong with the world and where were their people when dinner time rolled around. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it it's not like they get their dinner when we eat. It's just they were like, something is wrong here. Um, and Shepard, who's staying here because it's too hot at the yurt for um, her dogs um, and cats, is uh, it was like they were very concerned. And you need to, to do better next time. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> they do what they do. It's, you know, animals are going to have the opinions they have. You really can't oh, yeah. debate too terribly much. Very true. Very true. 
They're, they're insistent to the point of give it to biscuits. All right. Yeah. So one of the interesting things about most um, most of our grandparents' generations deceased is that they're going to be in that social security age. Mm-hmm. Notifying the social security administration if you do not have a service that does that for you, is a pain in the butt. Um, I researched the steps and then realized that my grandparents had prepaid for a mortuary plan. Right. So that service actually dealt with that for us, and I will get to them here in just a second. Right. Um, You can spend days just trying to get to the right department, to the right section of that department to report this one person's decease. And then um, that would that's another instance in which the long-form death certificate is required. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautifully, moving on slightly here, the Neptune service um, that they contracted with, as soon as the... County coroner released the body. We gave them a call and they sent someone out um, to collect her. Morticians are awesome yeah. people. Oh, yeah. They were a super, super sweet, um, very personable couple that had met on the job. <laughs> worked with previous mortician. Yeah. Um, and they showed up, they waited with me. Because mom had gone to get grandpa from dialysis, and he mm-hmm. decided that he wanted to have a moment with her. Right. So we waited for him to get home. And whenever you're having one of those moments in your life where it's mm-hmm. completely overwhelming and you don't know what to think, and you're just kind of running on spit and instinct, go find a mortician. <laughs> it will. <laughs> If not better, then 100% more endurable. They have a horrible sense of humor and an incredibly compassionate soul. And they were incredibly helpful in just setting the tone for the days that came after. Just in that like half hour time. I, uh, I follow... Now I cannot remember her, her handle on Twitter... Um, a former mortician um, who had to get out of the business just, I guess, because being a mortician in California is very difficult because they're sexist and, and it's a whole, like, there's a whole racket. Now, this doesn't show when talking to the customer, but apparently, you know, back of house kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, I will go with that same... Um, uh, just Just her blog posts about... Um, you know, handling the deceased and the, the compassion that goes into that and, you know, just just amazing stuff. Mortuary Report, that's who it is, on Twitter. Oh. Need to get her on the show. Ooh. That would be a fun interview. Yeah. <laughs> yes, them. I need to get them on the show. Uh, okay. 
Yeah. So. Wow. So they make you feel much better about things you can't change. Um, yeah. They will collect your deceased with whatever clothes they're wearing. So if there's something specific that you want back, um, ask for it then. We ask them to remove her rings because she had a wedding ring, a a ring that mom and and grandpa got her for Mother's Day like 40, 50 years ago, and then one from her uncle. And she wore those every day of my life um, and at least three years. Um, So things like that. Make sure that before transport is completed and the parcel is delivered to the mortuary and or crematorium, depending on what plan you have, if there's anything specific that is meant to be an inheritance, be passed on, if there was a favorite shawl that you just really want to keep, that is the time to ask. And it helps if that's communicated if you have someone that's in care. Um, Oftentimes, they will be treated a little differently um, because it's assumed that the family would want back anything that's not essentially unsalvageable. Um, We won't get into the details there. Um, But in care, it's presumed that that's the case. So those things are saved for the family. And you've got more of a window there. Um, if someone dies outside of care, dramatically, there's nothing you can do, really. Um, but in this case, where we saw it coming, um, let your family know. You know, hey, okay. these rings are important, yeah. and it's yeah. a keepsake. You know, make sure that whoever's with them at the time knows that those things should be asked for. And when everybody's bundled up and, and in the hearse, um, that's, that is the last contact you have with them in their own home, in their own space, right. outside of right. that grief setting. Some of us really wanted to have a moment with her in that setting. Some of us didn't. It depends on whether or not you want to grieve privately or if that's something that is more easily shared for you. Because that formalized setting is going to be a way to share and express those feelings. So yet again, if that's something that you think you're going to need in the grieving process, don't be afraid to ask for it or remember to ask for it. In our case, the mortuary plan included cremation. So that was also, if you come from a tradition of funerals where you have a viewing, uh, that's your chance. A couple of days after after the mortuary receives the body, uh, they're mm-hmm. going to give you a call mm-hmm. and they're going to confirm 
how many copies of the death certificate do you want? Um, and it's generally, if you have a service like this, they provide a couple of copies and then you can ask them to order extras for you. Yeah. Otherwise you have to go through the state and there's a fee for that. Which is why it's a good idea if you can do it to get two shorts and two longs. Because in several cases, um, particularly during COVID, but also just in the general course of things, um, life insurance companies, Social Security, uh, and a couple of other places are going to want a mailed copy yeah. of the death certificate yeah. so that they can certify that it is an accurate legal record that hasn't been tampered with. And then they'll mail it back to you. But that process can take anywhere from a couple of weeks to six months. Yeah, and I've, I've, we talked a little bit about this last time. Um, it, it's judging how many you actually need can be challenging. Um, yeah. Um, and there are some places that you can either just go directly in and have them scan the copy. Hopefully you've got a local branch office, something like that. Um, yeah. And there's some places that will accept a scan or email because there's going to be a file number there and they can double check it through their access to the state database. So places like um, public utilities companies, yeah. we wanted to make certain that our estate would not get billed for things that right. were not its own care of. So we were notifying utilities companies. Um, oh, there's still places that I haven't thought about that you only contact once or twice a year. And I'm like, Ooh, wait, that's still in both their names. Let's, let's figure this out here. Yeah. And there Just was, um, I, I was going to say, and, and it can take, it can take a while to close out in a state. It can take a, a year. Um, yeah. The lawyer that we went to, her suggestion was just literally to not inform the bank because you have no legal need to inform them as long as the person's estate is still open. Right. Right. And then to transition grandpa's social security benefits and all of his banking into a separate account and then put either mom or I on it with him. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just, and just have that bank account open for at least a year because depending on what they got into, there's still going to be debits and credits coming into and out of it. Because some things, uh, if they had investments you don't know about, that's only going to pay out either quarterly or once a year depending on how they had it set up. And we, uh, yeah. we I, I remember uh, Reagan Earl talking about that when we talked with her last year. I think it was last year. Might have been the year before. Um, but having to, you know, as the executor, having to keep those accounts open, having uh, and special books kind of just for the estate versus yeah. everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, mm -hmm. it gets exhausting. Yeah. If you're, if you're just closing out an estate, it is a very different process than if you're closing out half of one. Uh, because oh, I'm grandma sure. owns everything jointly. Oh. Mail delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Pippin. Pippin. We need to make the shush. 
Well, they're fine. <laughs> I need a kazoo explosion. Ah. A what? A tiny kazoo explosion. Okay. They make such weird. Well, I mean, they're all. Been... They're Frenchies, right? Uh, Boston's. Boston's, okay. Yeah. They just, they, they've got that wide head, but their chests mm-hmm. aren't as deep. So, yeah. <laughs> it's not the most dignified sound they could be making. Oh, wait until, um, I've, I've heard our youngest confirmed rooster occasionally he's testing out the crowing and he sounds like a kazoo and it's just i just want to go out and say buddy you tried you tried gold star (laughs) yeah uh, participation yeah yeah exactly (laughs) Um. okay so for the postman yeah Yeah, we're just saying closing uh, a a single estate is easier than closing half of one. Yes. Um, So rather than notifying these accounts that the account holder has passed, you are notifying these accounts that one of. Right. Right. However, that does not close out the account unless it was only in one person's name which is what happened with some joint credit cards that they had. Um, they had a gas uh, card, they had, I think, a MasterCard and Discovery. So, you know, two or three different places that Grandma was the account holder and Grandpa was on it with her. That got interesting when we notified them that she had passed because they froze the accounts. And especially with the credit cards, those balances became due immediately, billable to her estate. Right. Right. Right, right. When you're talking about power bills, phone bills, stuff like that, people tend to be jointly on the bill. So it's not the same deal. But when you're talking about credit or when you're talking about um, any kind of billable service that's... um, Oh, Grandma's was the name on the the oil order every year when we got the furnace refilled. So we had to set up a different account with that company, even though all of the details were the same. Frustrating. But not particularly difficult. Dealing with the credit cards, again, if you don't have permission to talk to them, if you're not specifically the next of kin, which in that case was Grandpa, and he was in no shape to deal with this, you really have to do some tap dancing to get people to tell you, you know, hey, how do I pay this? Who's paying this? Right. How, yeah. how, are you, how are you billing me? Does it have to go to collections? What's going on with any right. of this? Um, and yet again, frequently with credit cards, the details of the account when you opened it have changed so many times. Right. That... The original documentation you may find to help you sort through this kind of stuff no longer applies because you know they've gotten a card update or a plan update or they've refinanced the card or something like that over the previous 30 some odd years and then in the process of that you agree to the new terms and conditions 
So every time the terms and conditions change, so does your approach to this. And that's right. one of those frustrating things people don't think about with things like EULAs that no one ever reads. <laughs> Biggest lie on the internet I have read agreed to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every time you a service, those things change. And they write it into the terms of these various things now that by continuing to use the service, you agree to any change. But they still have to notify you of the change. Exactly. They'll send you a notification that looks like spam email, and you delete it and never know what has or has not changed because it's up to you to wade through all of the terminology. That is much less likely to happen with things like life insurance policies. There are a lot of rules and regs that govern that. So even if you have a term life insurance policy, it has to be the one you agreed to. They, they really can't screw with it past that point unless you default on a premium and then they can renegotiate terms of service with you. Um, but credit cards, uh, streaming services, um, places that like Carbonite or the, the information vaults yeah. that were super popular in the early 2000s, um, various repositories like that, they're they're going to continue to evolve those terms of service. And depending if your ancestors had internet access right up to the end, they don't always make choices that mesh with their previous planning. Right. So you're not entirely certain where their personal information might actually be stored on the net or what accounts they might've had or what is and is not vulnerable to hackers. Which brings me to the effect of scam callers on the surviving spouse. Oh, Lord. <clears throat> yeah. It got to the point where Grandpa just refused to answer the phone. Everything went to the answering machine because we still have a landline. And then mm -hmm. I would review all of it and tell him what was and wasn't real. Um, we got a ton of those. Uh, your Amazon account has been used to make a purchase and you've just spent, you know, two grand on an iPhone kind of voice messages. Loved my grandmother dearly, but she was always an impulse shopper. Right. And as her impulse control faded, that only got worse. Um, we did finally just remove her credit cards, but you can still call the number and say, oh yes, yeah, send it to me and bill us. And then you have the item which has a complex return cycle, and right. you have the bill. It's sometimes much easier, especially if it's in the $20 range, to just pay the damn bill and, and throw it away or give it to Goodwill, whatever it was. Right. When you've got somebody like that, you never know for sure which one of those scams they actually bought into. So now the scammer is calling to fulfill the contract. Um, there were a bunch of book services. There were a bunch of herbal supplement things. Oh. Yeah, believe me, I know. Um, that she had bought into. And somehow had gotten enough payment information that they had a reoccurring billing service. Untangling those is much harder than it sounds. Give yourself... Like, only one per day if you're doing any of this other stuff. It's usually on a monthly billing cycle. There's plenty of time. Just 
don't tackle all of those at once because they are designed to be difficult to cancel so that people get frustrated and give up or they're not necessarily tech savvy enough to navigate the cancellation process or they forget that they're paying for it. That's by the time I sorted out all of the random stuff from that, I would say that freed up probably 200 bucks a month on a monthly basis. And that was just from three or four different things we didn't know about or think about because the mail all kind of got into one spot and it's difficult to see what all is in there. And just, just a couple, three of those things would have eaten through most of her disposable monthly income if she was just living on her social security and they hadn't had a pension and other things that kind of shorted up. If you've got somebody that's living on a fixed income like that, that may or may not have some impulse control, um, it's a good idea to ask if you can be added to their billing statement. Not that you have control over it specifically, but that you know what's going on. Because anything like that is collectible from the estate. Right. I I cannot remember if I have said this before or not. However... Do not pay a bill because someone calls and yells at you that it is due and your family member is deceased. A lot of companies will try to bully you into a payment plan and to agreeing to one on the phone where they can record it. And if you accept the estate's debts, you become Mm -hmm. liable for it and you can be added to the collection efforts. So at no time, ask to take those debts on. Ask what the estate owes. Do not commit to anything. Ask them to send you a statement, at which time you can decide what the estate's assets can bear and what they can't. You pay off what you can. You let collections deal with the rest. Right. Once an estate's debt has gone to collections, generally speaking, the collections company is happy to accept 40 to 50 percent or less of the stated debt as long as the estate agrees to pay it in one lump sum. Right. And, And yeah, part of that is that collection agencies, as we've seen with with uh, um rip medical debt um collection agencies are buying these huge debts at pennies on the dollar so anything they can negotiate that is more than what they paid is a profit is a win right exactly exactly so going into this once you have collected the life insurance once you have uh figured out Social Security will pay into the estate the lump sum due to that individual up until the day of their decease. Right. So if they died on the 15th, you get 15 days worth of that Social Security benefit as a lump sum to the estate. If there's any other sources of direct income, wait for those to hit. If it's something uh, like monthly investment payments, 
that would have to be determined whether or not it would continue paying into the estate and or to the estate's beneficiary. <clears throat> so stuff like that. Make sure that you've aggregated about a month's worth of that or two if you can. And then the collections people will get a hold of you. They're not actual. Um, so anything that has gone to collections against the estate, just don't be afraid to negotiate it down as far as you can. Lowball them. Give them, give them your, your very lowest opening number that you feel is fair for whatever that debt was. And make them go talk to their manager and then come back and see if they can get you higher, lower, what have you. But also, no going into it, just like buying a car, what are you willing to pay to get rid of this debt so that it doesn't wind up going to a court case and having the amount seized? Because if it is a large enough amount, a collections agency will go to that extent. They have in-house oh, counsel sure, for that sure. reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just set them up and knock them down. If it's a sizable estate, you have the option to do this and still have an estate left. If it's much like the rest of us, um, and the estate will most likely be wiped out by servicing the various debts, you know, deal with the ones that you can and let the rest of them fight over what's left. And just close out the accounts. They, they cannot... All they can do is divide up what there is. They cannot generate more income off of the estate. Not for a debt settlement. Unless unless they unless you've made the mistake of taking that liability on personally. Exactly. Which is why it is always as the estate's representative, I never oh yes, I will pay that. It's like no no no. The estate will settle it, send us a, send us a statement. Because unfortunately, um, even places like like your power bill have oh, yeah. specific departments for this that are going to be like, okay, well, they ran up a, a three-month deficit on their power bill because it didn't get paid right before they passed. We need you to pay this. And they're recording the call. Right. And they will ask, do you agree to these terms? And if you give your information and you agree to those terms, you're stuck with the debt. Right. Even the most innocuous places are just trying to get paid. I did not find a lot of grumpy people. I did not find a lot of people that were actively attempting to, to cheat us or to be unpleasant. But I did find some people that were rather insistent on a certain methodology of doing things. Right. And it very right. much favored their company. Oh, yeah. So even will in the world and talking to super sweet people that are very understanding and helpful, which is how they do their job. You know, definitely have your, have your numbers on hand and go into it prepared. That way, if somebody does start selling you a pattern or trying to railroad you into something, you've, you've got your numbers in front of you to go, yeah, it's not accurate. Right. And that's the whole send me a statement thing. Everybody that wants money from you, send me a bill. Detailing exactly what you think I owe you 
and under what terms the repayment is accomplished. That way you've got in writing what they're demanding. So if anybody gets terribly shirky with you, you can say, no, no, this is what you sent me. This is what we're doing. And frequently, in our case, I was doing that for grandpa rather than, as, as we said earlier, just to close out an estate completely. So having having that one half of a couple mm. that is left in the position changes things up a little bit. Because if it is a debt held jointly, collections can still come after him. Right. If they decide that the decease of one partner or another would affect a payment plan. Um, if grandpa had passed because he was the higher earner of the two fixed incomes then that would have been much more likely to happen to grandma because two-thirds of her income would have ceased existing. Right, yeah, that, and that's, that's always a rough spot to be in, right? It very much is. But as it was the other way around, most of those places were perfectly happy to continue on um, just with grandpa as the primary payer. Right. Like up until, up until we refinance the house, so that I'm on the mortgage now and I can actually help things legally. At <laughs> <laughs> um, that point, we notified them, but they were like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." It wasn't in the, the house payment anyway. So the larger debts like that, if you've got a car loan through your bank a lot of these places or wherever you might have a loan through, if it's got both your names on it, you need to notify them. And most of them are probably not going to change their payment terms. A few of them are like, okay, well, that renders the loan null and void because you have no obvious way to repay it. Sometimes stuff like that, they get um, all the way into litigation. Luckily, we did not have any of that. Very lucky, um, yeah. Yeah. The, the legal end of this is insane. There's good reasons and bad reasons for pretty much every part of it that has gotten more and more complex over the years. But, boy, it, yet again, if at all possible, an estate lawyer is a beautiful thing. Oh just yeah, for yeah. Signing, not just for finding out your estate, but also after Grandma passed away, we went and saw a really, really good one, and she sorted through all of the documentation I could find and did some searching on her end, presented us with everything that she found, everything that we had. These are the steps you need to take. These are the policies you need to redesignate a beneficiary for. Uh, this is how you deal with this transfer of, of funds or legal power. And she just literally made us a to-do list. It was awesome. And for the, the princely sum of about 300 bucks, we actually knew exactly what to do. It was pretty helpful. Sort out some of their legal stuff because they'd had 
a couple of nonprofit businesses. Um, they'd had a living trust that they attend to assemble through um, a workshop that one of the church groups held. And we could never confirm or deny if it had been legally set up or not because there had been some issue with it and it got sent back and forth and back and forth. And then by the time we got to ask, nobody could remember the details. So not being able to get any information on that specifically, um, we just asked her to look through the documentation we had and do a legal record search, which she did. And it turns out that they had successfully incorporated their bank accounts into the trust but when they refinanced the house the last time, it came out again, as did many of the assets oh. attached to it. Right. So the answer was both yes and no. <laughs> but getting that untangled was a little And that's, yet again, where the bank account came up. Um, having that bank account as the account of the living trust and then the people who could access it being grandma and grandpa, as opposed to them just having a joint banking account. Right. Luckily, because they're still the original founding member of the trust, we don't have to try and negotiate that right now. So that's the account that we've kept open for the last year and a half because it was their joint checking. Just legally complicated by some fascinating life decisions. Well, I mean, if you don't make fascinating life decisions, you may not have, you know, it 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 certainly can make things less exciting. But, uh, you know, that's all personal preference at that point. <laughs> I just like tidy filing systems. That's one of those, at this point in my life, if I could think of one thing that would improve the world just wholesale, it would be better filing systems. Or people that consistently update them. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There is so much that goes into us in, into the sort of thing that we don't think about. Very much so. Very much so. And you, when you think about the lead up to it, and you've planned for it, and you've done all these things, and then all of a sudden a million little details start popping up in the process of settling that estate that you never thought about, that you never asked anybody about that, you know, how do you close someone's Facebook account? Right. How do you make sure that their web presence is shut down? How do you know that they don't still have an open tab at the dry cleaners? <laughs> or some of these totally random things. And you'll think about the power bill. You'll think about the life insurance and You'll think about, you know, notifying the state and Social Security. You don't think about notifying the dry cleaners. Uh, no, you really don't, right? Like, those weird little details. If you've got a laundry service, if you have a housekeeping service, because they're going to have keys to that house, and they will be scheduled to show up on the regular, usually with some kind of auto pay. What happens when you're holding awake and the cleaning lady shows up? I mean, the, the obvious answer is yeah. But it's stuff like that, that if you don't live 
in the same town or if you're not visiting their house all the time, um, what happens when a few months go by and the cleaners have been in and out of that house regularly maintaining it? And you never thought about it. And it, it's a continuous yeah. bill into the estate. Because it can take um, settling, a, settling an estate completely and transferring that the contents of that estate to the beneficiary I've got a coworker who is still attempting to get the title of her dead mother's house transferred to her name so it can be sold to pay the debts of the estate. This has been ongoing for months. And what do you do with the regular services? Right. You know, how are you? <laughs> yeah, do you cancel them because no one's living there anymore? Or do you? maybe reduce them because the house is going to go for sale and you don't want it to lose upkeep. I mean, yeah. I mean, do you change transfer the billing to yourself or yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. If it's, they're not going to bill a deceased person. So they'll just close out the account. So you have to take on those bills. If the estate does not have sufficient funds to maintain itself. Right. Right, right, right. Stuff like that. There are some houses in climates where you can shut off the power, shut off the water, and it's not going to do anything horrible. You do stuff like that in a climate where it freezes, all your pipes are going to burst. So, yeah, or, or someplace yeah. like here where it's really moist and you get mildew if you don't have dehumidifying and air conditioners. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Basically. So those are details that you have to think about either wrapping up or not wrapping up. And again, having, having one surviving member of these billing partnerships, um, <laughs> kind of a, a, an actuarial way to state that, but any, any joint bill is going to be a billing partnership. Right. <laughs> it's a little easier and a little harder. Um, just because grandpa does have access to a lot of these things. So we can get right in there and figure out what we're going to do next without having to fight, you know, the power bill getting shut off and having to resume it another name. Yeah. 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 The other fun thing to think about if there's been a roommate situation or a live in caregiver who, um, that's part of their their stipend. Are there going to be bills that are in those names jointly that you don't have any way to control? Because as a descendant, you can get your, uh, or as the beneficiary, you can get the deceased's name stricken from the bill. But that doesn't necessarily mean that whoever else they had that bill in common with won't have opinions about how it's going to go. So if there's a balance, um, does that go to the estate? Does that go to the other person? Yet again, I've heard stories. We didn't have to deal with any of that. But that's one of those complicating factors that can come up. Yeah. If, if they're giving an old friend a hand and letting him stay there for a few months. 
did that that friend go, hey, if I pay for it, can I have a Wi-Fi line? Kind of thing. Well, then that account is tied to the house. You got to think about stuff like that, too. And there's an emotional burden that goes with trying to figure out what that person would have wanted you to do if it's not spelled out. Um, in some cases, you really don't have a choice. Uh, it's it's pay the bills and get the hell out as quickly as possible. Um, and in some cases where you do have a little bit more discretion, it's like, okay, do I go cutthroat on this? Do I uh, just get out from under whatever chunks of debt I possibly can? Or do I really try and settle up with each individual place and make an attempt to honor the debts that were agreed upon? Yeah, and it it, that it, was. it and it it gets tricky then because you're dealing with, you know, their take on what the deceased, what what their agreement with the deceased was was with what is now with what is yeah. There's a lot of head games that you play with yourself trying to figure out who would have wanted what and what the realities are because sometimes what they wanted is not what is possible. So you wind up having to take a certain amount of that emotional burden with you for making those decisions that don't line up with what you know they wanted. And that's presuming that you had a close or positive relationship. If the person that you're settling for was a really horrible, nasty individual, sometimes you can take a certain amount of pleasure in not following their wishes. You can be slightly cathartic. Well, all right then. Well, all right then. (laughs) I I know, as much as I love my great-grandmother, she was a deeply unpleasant person. And I know that in some ways, um, just disposing of certain things that nobody, nobody wants a chintz footstool. I'm sorry, nobody does. But she was insistent that it go to a particular person. And that particular person was like, no one wants this. No one has ever wanted this. So we burned it. And it was very free. That's, that's catharsis. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it right there. Yeah. I I take no small amount of pleasure in having disposed of every single copy of the Rush Limbaugh letter that my grandmother had collected for the previous 30-some-odd years. Hated those things. Oh, my God. God. He literally had a complete set, which, you know, may or may not have been a collector's item to somebody. I don't know. I don't care. It's if you collect that kind of thing, I don't really want to service your private needs in any way, shape, or form. But just getting rid of that stuff, all of the critical letters and the borderline cult stuff, just gone. That's lovely. Not having to dust it. I, I suddenly have yeah a um a, a sort of a picture of your grandmother and oh my he was almost southern 
it, it was a thing. She was like, Southern by way of Canada. Okay. Apologetically passive-aggressive, but hardcore conservative Republican. That's not necessarily southern per se that's there that is but i i understand the the exact thing that you're you're speaking of there yeah also had that you know you'll get in here and be fed and and the i don't care whose kid it is if they're misbehaving in front of me they're going to get a talking to kind of attitude that it was very hospitality very community based but it came out in a weird way Fair enough. It's also, um, it's also interesting um, to find the things you miss have changed more than you thought they would. Especially when it gets down around Christmas time and everybody's got the bright red dishes and kitchen gadgets out. She mm-hmm. loved bright red enamel everything. And you'll walk past something and go, oh, Grandma would love a... Wait... Not really going to work now. Yeah. It's it's harder the first few months, and then it tapers off. But every so often, it'll be just the right thing, and it hits you right between the eyes. And you never see it coming. And one of the things that we ran into having Grandpa as the surviving partner, as much of a hermit as he's always been, he had to relearn how to live alone. And he's not real talkative, not a super demonstrative human being. And his behavior changed enough that all of us noticed almost immediately how depressed he was. And we didn't think we'd actually keep him through a whole year. And that's, that's not uncommon. Um, we were afraid that my, my paternal grandmother would predecease my grandfather and were reasonably certain while he would not take his own life, um, he would just sort of fade away. And, uh, because he, he, you know, because they were so tightly together for so long. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, would have been their 60th wedding anniversary. Yeah, 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 and uh, it it went the other direction, uh, and she survived. She she adapted and uh, and was good until you know a physical, like yeah. literally, yeah, uh, and so that was that was that. But I mean that it's not uncommon in in those long term tight partnerships that when. Uh, you know, one or the other goes, the the survivor doesn't, even if it's, and, and it's not overt, they just sort of mm-hmm. fade away is the best language. Yeah. They, they become paler and paler copies of themselves, uh, less interested in their hobbies, less interested in their self-care. <coughs> Excuse me. Luckily, in some ways, Grandpa has dialysis treatments three times a week. He hates them, but they get him out of the house. He's talking to a staff of nurses that have worked with him for years, and they will notice shifts in his behavior that 
he won't display to us. There are things you hide from your family because you want them to think you're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is true of every family member left behind. But we were lucky enough that those nurses called us. Through the nurses and the social worker for the clinic were like, hey, we've noticed these things. Um, this is what his blood work is showing us. And can we make a plan with you? What can we do to help? Right. Really awesome. Right. And that, that actually gave us not just access to resources, but access to a lot more people checking on him and reaffirming positive decisions for him. And it, it took a few, a few good months. But right about the time um, her birthday rolled around in end of September, mm-hmm. mid-August, mm-hmm. I think he finally got to a point where he could lay her to rest to an extent. The um, church they belonged to did a, a Zoom funeral essentially right. all the people they lost to COVID just a few months ago. And that was also incredibly helpful to him uh, to have that, that formalized laying to rest and those, those formal dates passing where the anniversary effect can kind of help you shed some of that grief at the same time that it can reintroduce you to new parts of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember... <laughs> Um, when my maternal grandmother uh, succumbed to the cancer, this was decades ago, um, but uh, 98. Um, but I remember some of the other gentlemen in the town because my grandfather was born in that town. He, you know, lived there almost all of his life, and there were there were other widowers there who were like, "I know it's hard," and you know let's have lunch let's go like there was a built-in support network there um and then there were apparently the the three widows on his street that decided he needed taken care of um so you know uh but but having having yeah yeah but having that community support kind of thing makes it a lot easier um it does um (laughs) It also means that there's a lot more people worrying at you. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, th- I think the sheer force of people good-naturedly saying, so how are we today? A uh, little too perkily for months. Finally annoyed him enough that he decided to give up the moping. <laughs> well, I mean... Go yeah. <laughs> and especially this last year... Um, with COVID and the isolation, if, and this is not a big if, if any of the listeners out there have lost someone, it is so hard not being able to grieve in public. Having, even if you hate funerals, my family loathes funerals. Grief is private. It's something that you, you wear closer to your skin than your underpants. Grip was really the only one that's traditional about this. Right, right. He 
loathe the concept of it. The fact that you can't go to lunch with your girlfriends and talk about what happened and what you miss. That a lot of the sources of contact were shut down to only digital was so hard for so many people, especially the older age bracket, trying to find ways to connect grandpa with the people that would want to be with him was so difficult because their grandchildren weren't in isolation with them. Yeah. And, and there's also, um, I think there's a part of it where for those of us who may not live near our family and have lost someone, not necessarily to the COVID, it isn't real. Yes. It isn't real. Yeah. Object is a terrible thing. Yeah. And I mean, I even if it's just working. going to be a, 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 a private, you know, or, or a celebration after the fact, when we can all gather together, it's, it, it's real in the abstract. And especially lately, um, when you do get to have that, that formal acknowledgement, expect it to hit you all over again, because it's real now. It's final now. I lost a coworker a few weeks ago and was friends with him outside of work and just having going to work every day and not being there. It's like, Oh, call them. It wasn't real until the obituary was published. And then like the whole company was just like, dudes, we need a day. <sighs> we just, we need a day. And we kind of did. We just we took a day where all the supervisors walked around and just asked how you were doing, and everybody kind of huddled up in groups. And it was it was a hell of a send off for him in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean I've I've got acquaintances who I, I have lost. You know, I, I I don't know anyone who hasn't lost someone during the pandemic, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, the ones who haven't are incredibly lucky, but, you know, there are, uh, there are people who are still grieving and, or think they aren't still grieving and will be when we can have these, these send-offs, uh, um, you know, in fandom, in, um, uh, my, my uncle passed recently, um, and I mean, they live in Pennsylvania and my cousin is dealing with all of that, but it's not real to me yet. Right. And, and it may not be real until we, we have the, the, you know, we are planning a memorial when we, when things are better. Right. It's, it's a difficult thing to navigate. And I think there's a lot of people who may be kind of dealing with that right now. Yeah. Or completely haven't dealt with it. Right. All of the details of settling an estate over the last year have been delayed. All of the government offices that were swamped or shut down. Just something as simple as getting a title transferred for a vehicle. Something that you used to be able to do in a day by walking in it can take six right. months. Um, so even the standard details of settling this stuff has gotten labyrinthine and mercurial. Oh yeah. Some of the standard rules still don't apply. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely, and, definitely dealing with this. Give yourself more time than you think you'll need. And space. And space. Yeah. Just learn to be okay with what you can and cannot do. It, it sounds a bit callous to say it, but the dead don't rush. Their creditors might, but that's not your problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll just be like, they ain't getting any debtor. Which is a terrible way to look at it, but it is what it is, right? If I actually believed in the possibility of doing so, I will probably burn in hell for this. But that is literally the first thing that I said to mom when she started panicking. When we found grandma, I was like, well, I ain't getting any debtor. You're right. And it was just I mean, enough that it kind of broke that reaction cycle. But, you know, if I believed in a Christian hell, that could probably send me there. Ah, that's, that's, that's relatively minor as these things go, trust me. <laughs> but yeah, also allow yourself to be a reference. That's sometimes one of the hardest things is remembering all of the good things that made you laugh. Remembering the bad things or that ending is always going to make you sad. But then suddenly you'll be laughing and not know why, because one memory led into another. And it's not logical, and it feels weird. And sometimes it'll make you feel guilty. Yeah. There was... yourself. Yeah, there were two sort of moments when my respective grandfathers passed separately and, and years apart. Um, and the first, um, when my paternal grandfather passed, and this is this is this is the part that sort of makes it real. But there was there was this point where we had discovered he had a stash of wine and a stash of liquor that was older than I am. Um, and so we spent, like, the evening after the funeral drinking and remembering and whatever. And, you know, the, the sort of thing that now is, isn't possible in this moment, but it allowed us to laugh and to feel sad and whatever. Um, for my, my maternal grandfather, it was just um, – uh, a much smaller family group because it's much smaller family. We were going through like his desk drawer of the things, you know, just the things that were sort of, yeah. Um, and laughing and telling stories and all of that. And you have to leave yourself room to feel the joy as well as the sadness. It, it's forcing yourself to be sad all the time is not healthy. Right. It's also, a note for caregivers or family members that get drafted into this. It's okay to be angry. That last couple of months is going to cost you personally so much. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be hung out, strung out, and wrung out. And it is okay you have some really negative feelings about the personal cost. Whether you did it gladly, whether you resented it, doesn't matter. If you need to be angry about it, if you need to be completely left alone about it, 
because you're going to be going through some intense physical and mental crash periods. Just trying to recover some of that energy and trying to get back to anything resembling normal. Yeah. You haven't had it for some You're going to have to redo all your patterns. And it's hard and it takes a long time. And in that respect, that reaction is going to be different from one of a family member or a close friend. So if you've got one person in specific that was doing the caregiving in your family, expect them not to want to get lovey-dovey about it or possibly to need it if that's not something the rest of you express normally. Um, expect that reaction set to go differently and try and give some extra space for that. It really helps. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. The, the family members who, who cared for my uh, maternal, I have to specify, right? Um, a grandfather in his last couple years, there was, you know, there was a lot to unpack. Um, yeah. You know, partly, you know, the, there was the resentment of, you know, here are the distant members of the family who weren't able to contribute that way. There's, um, you know, uh, just that there's the anger, there's the, you know, all of it. And it takes a while. It really does. They say about two years is an average grieving cycle for a major traumatic event. And you've had not one, but two. Right. Yeah. The criteria for a traumatic event too much, too soon, too different, too similar. If you get two or three of those in a single event, it's considered a trauma. That is going to be every day of your life for a couple of months leading up to this and for a couple of months leading down from it. So aside from the trauma of the death itself, you're going to have several other triggering events that, you know, maybe you're lucky and you'll work through them and it won't turn into a persistent thing. Maybe you're not, and you're going to wind up with some PTSD from that. Yeah, and that, that applies to, to both, like, the situation we're talking about and the ongoing pandemic. Like, um, yeah. uh, it, it will be... A long time before I'm not freaked out wearing a mask, not wearing a mask in, in a public space, right? I still do I right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm out in Oregon in a very, very high vaccinated community, and I've managed to do this twice without having to go back out to the car or, or root around in my pocket and put something on my face. I, I have a pouch on my backpack that is nothing but masks and hand sanitizer, right? Yep. And I'm, and part of me is going, you know, you might not need that someday. And another part of me is going, no, you will always need that. You will always have that there, right? Even if it's um, not for health and safety, that is now your binky bag. Not necessarily. Well, Ow. yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and then, but there's also the, I, it felt weird coming back from China and not seeing people who were sick or whatever in masks that yeah. I'm trying to kind of internalize. I, I want to internalize that culture so that if I'm not feeling well and I put on a mask at the, no one's freaking out now. Right. <laughs> You know, um, they really have other more pressing things to be concerned about. Yeah. I mean, you know, other than the <laughs> local anti-maskers who can fly off a bridge as far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> that too. We've got a few rural pockets out here that just wholesale yeah. Yeah. decided not to vaccinate. And I'm like, don't you dare. Just, mm. Then stay in your stay in your spot. Don't mm-hmm. don't make this worse again. I mean, yeah. California's closing down already, and that's yep. just stiff breeze from us. Uh, well, yeah, depending on the region of California, but yeah, um, I, I was going to say I am excited about all of the live shows that are coming up and the ones that happen. I am absolutely wearing a mask. I'm, I might go outside to drink my water bottle, but inside you know i am absolutely it stays on right yeah and it's coming out of that caregiving situation one of the things that's been both fabulous and terrifying i can go to these things now i have free time and granted not a lot but like there there's time for things and now there are things again yeah and yeah i have no clue what to do <laughs> I don't have to be home at a certain time. I don't have to have all of this information with me at all times and have my phone on and, and be, you know, calm, stable, and sober for the most part. I can actually just go wander around and do nothing all day if I have a day off that I can do nothing with. Yeah, yeah. I feel very much like Winnie the Pooh and Christopher Robin. That, that whole, and what are we going to do today? Nothing. Yeah. We're going to enjoy it. Nothing the first wrong. day and, that and I there could, is nothing wrong with that, yeah. <laughs> the first day that I could just lay in bed and read a book all day just because I wanted to, uh, just about had me in tears multiple times. Partially for the remembrance of the effort that went into the caregiving, and partially for the fact that this could happen again. You know, this, this yeah. could be normal again to mm-hmm. eat your food while it's hot and not fall into bed exhausted and get back up again after four hours of sleep every day. Um, just to have the, the promise of that again. It, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine. It's, it's been helpful in some ways for me to have things phase back into availability instead of just my schedule slamming wide open and the normal pace of life hitting it like a freight train. So having fairly restricted options has been kind of nice because I can baby step my way into it. Right. But I'm just really with the rest of us, it. yeah. Yeah. You know, it's for the first time ever... I'm looking forward to going to the fair, not because I love the fair, but because it's a live event and I get to go. 
and I don't have to have a string of people behind me or like all of these rules and regulations. And I can just go and hang out until I'm absolutely sick on corn dogs and sunburn. I don't have to think about who's going to pay for that the next day. Your fear happens a lot sooner than ours does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The fairs around here all go off in sequence. So you can go to the fair from about now, clear on down through Labor Day, depending on yeah, which uh, one you want to hit. going to say, our, our fair season here starts in, like, September, and it just occurred to me that maybe the fair will happen this year and I can go see the chickens. That's all I want to see at the yeah. fair anymore. Is that ridiculous or what? Um <laughs> I spend a lot of time in the gardening halls and the weird little tchotchke shops looking for strange things. They, they've always got these, these funky yeah. little booths tucked away in a corner, and they've got, like, they go and buy up uh, lots of jewelry from places like Goodwill or import trucks and trucks of stuff from India or China or Pakistan. They've got the strangest knick-knacky funky stuff from all over the place. We we actually have flea, we, we have like two flea markets that have that here. I missed uh, Yeah, um, the, the fair is where you get like, yeah, you get the, all the garden awards and the craft awards and, and, well, it's the state fair, it's not the county fair, right? So, um, but because it's the state fair, you get all the artisans down from the mountains or from the beach or whatever that you don't normally see at the, the local stuff, because this is, this is like one of their big events for the year. So, yes. yeah. I love going to the state fair, but I almost never manage it since, you know, it's a couple hours away and all of the other things that have been going on in my life. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess that is one advantage to living in the state capital is you, you never, like growing up, I never had an excuse. I had to make excuses not to go to the fair. And Yeah, and it was a special day trip and the whole family went on our end. I actually saw Johnny Cash and June Carter live at my state fair. I was very, very young at the time. I'm still jealous. You got to see Johnny and June together. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know who Don Williams is. I know who Don Williams is, yes. I I was a country and western disc jockey before I fell into tech. So I, I know who the who the classics are, right? Um, I know who the classics are that I can't listen to anymore because they turned out to be horrible human beings, but yeah. Yeah. We actually saw Air Supply. I was only it like was three. Only, yeah, it's always weird, like, the mix you get at, at, at the state fair for things like that, you know? So. Yes. Uh, two years ago, I took my partner up to the Washington State Fair, and we saw the Beach Boys. It's something that he'd wanted to do his entire life. And they were playing along with um, spliced in cuts of some of the originals for part of it. They've drafted a few extra players, of course. And we got to see the version with John Stamos playing with them. Okay, that's... Actually, that's pretty cool. I'm just... <laughs> to really think about it for a minute because it never occurred that that would be a thing we would encounter in that circumstance but it was pretty awesome yeah yeah yeah. and we we saw beach boys things you can do again yeah yeah i think the last live event i went to was 
uh, Joan Jett when she was up at the Washington State Amphitheater. That's she's on my list of people I need to see next time they come through. Um, yeah. I, you know, I had missed her you know. twice for circumstance and bad luck, but I finally got to see Joan Jett in concert. I actually have, and this is how far out the rescheduling has gotten around here. Um, since they reformed, I didn't think I would get a chance to see them at all, but Rage Against the Machine is last summer, and I have my tickets already, and um, yeah, because yeah, um, part of the whole, well, these tickets had been on sale, and so there are still spots, and we're still... You know, but and because of rescheduling and people canceling, you know, and getting refunds and, and all that, you know, I'm just like, you know, this is a band I wanted to see live, but didn't think I could because they had broken up, but now they're back together. Yeah. Right. That's, I'm I'm waiting to see what that partner pops up with because the first concert we went to together was the Irish Rovers. Oh. And the last yeah. social distortion. <laughs> Pretty wide span, and you yeah, never know yeah. what he's going. Hey, I found cheap tickets for this. You want to go? I'm like, okay. Yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> I, I'm still getting over being able to see um, three of my favorite bands in one night for 18 bucks. Yeah. Like at the end of yeah. August. Yeah. Crazy. So. It's just the two you sometimes, but. Yeah. End of August. Yeah. Cool. Um, did we miss anything? Probably. Okay. Do we remember what it was? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but you know what? You're, you're welcome back anytime. You know that, right? That would be awesome. Yes. Yeah. This, this has been very, I will say, enjoyable because the company is good and the topic is interesting <laughs> if somewhat morbidly acquired <laughs> it's all right it's all right it's all right so oh hey um before we we wrap this one up do you have any charity a charity you'd like to have the listeners support actually yes especially in your guys's area find your local chapter of Planned parenthood oh absolutely they have done more to support especially out here in Oregon where they're, they are a very strong presence, but just support women's rights, not being eroded, particularly yeah. at the state and levels where they are frequently more aware of what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And they provide health care to either gender. Yeah. Um, they provide health care to, to trans people, to low income people, um, whatever your orientation or physical needs may be, they are a non-judgmental place to get the care that you need. And oftentimes they may be the only yearly checkup you can afford. Oh yeah. Particularly for females. And because of the way that breast and ovarian cancer progresses and is treated, it has never been more important to have access to those services, especially since the rest of the medical system is not going to give you access to prophylaxis. Right. In this case, preventive treatment. 
but it's also incredibly important not just to have those trusted places, but to be able to introduce them to the next generation of people mm-hmm. who aren't going to. Because a lot of us don't have a GP anymore or a family doctor or uh, that relationship that you can pass on. So having a community of safe people to try and I, to provide those services is super important. Yeah, I was going to say... And if it feels like, to the people at home, it feels like we're ending a little abruptly. Both of us now have animals just climbing all over us, needing attention. So (laughs) I figured probably looking at about a good time to wrap. (laughs) Yeah, I got to go put out her kibbles and snuggle up on this baby before she explodes. Yeah, so thank you so much. Likewise, it was a pleasure. Uh, yeah, and uh, the people at home, we'll be right back after this. Holy crap, Heather, thank you for coming back. Thank you for that amazing discussion, deep and, uh, you know, everything about it. I I still am re- I'm referring people back to things I learned in it, and uh, I even offered a couple people I know early access to just the interview portion, if it would help them with the stuff they are, are going through. Um, I thought it was that good. So, yeah, no, major, major props, and thank you much, and... Uh, I'm sure we will have another catch up in another 18 months to two years. That's <laughs> cool. All right. So our word for this week has absolutely nothing to do. No. With the interview. No, it's with my plant. That... With your plant. Yeah. Yeah. It's wort. W-O-R-T. Which is actually pronounced wort. 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 Yes. But no one says wort. Everyone says wort in America. I'm sure you say wort over in the UK, but... Um, Wart. Yeah, and I, I know that that's how you pronounce also the, like, one of the in-between stages in doing, like, beer brewing. Mm. But it's not, I don't believe it's spelled the same. Could be. So. Anyway, it, it is yeah. a suffix that basically means plant, and my plant <laughs> is plowman's wart. But there are lots of them, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Blood wart. Uh, oh, yeah. Birth wart. So, um, yeah, yeah, you can take that word and you can go to productivityalchemy.com and you can look for the little box that says uh, insert badge code here and get a badge for putting in the word. And you can find out more about the badge codes themselves and about um, open badges, which are what we're issuing uh, and all that at productivityalchemy.com. You will also see something that says support. That is not technical support. Uh, that is not necessarily emotional support. That is financial support. And you know what? You, you don't have to click that. Yeah, we're, we're good. We're, we're fine. Yeah. All, I mean, all is well here. 
Yeah, I mean, if you really want to, uh, you know, support Patreon or, or Coffee, Kofi or whatever, it's linked there. But you don't don't feel don't feel the need. Yes. Instead, give your money to your local Planned Parenthood. Yes, they need it um, right now. Yes, and uh, it was almost you know seeing the future. I mean, they always need it. Um, but this is what also what uh, Heather had suggested. Yep. Uh, chosen as their charity. And so, yeah, find your local Planned Parenthood. Please support them. Uh, they need all the help they can get right now, especially if you happen to be in Texas. Yes. And God so. knows, uh, even though I have never personally needed to make use of their uh, uh, abortion services, they were the only reason that I had birth control and gynecology exams through uh, for about over oh, a decade. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. they were low cost. And uh, the they, amount of, of health screenings they do yeah, is enormous. They, they do mammograms, too. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all, they do smears. all women's health issues. It's not limited to the one thing you hear about them in the news. Yes, and so. I will even say uh, uh, they, will, they also, uh, uh, health services for people with vaginas who do not identify as women, which I think is a thing we need to frequently... Uh, yes. Uh, qualify because a lot of the rhetoric around the um, issues of, of abortion rights gets framed as a woman's issue. And it is actually the issue for a lot of people who uh, are not women, but have the same junk and need to uh, worry about Indeed. that kind of thing, too. So, so yes. Okay. Uh, that's it for this week. I mean, it, it was a heavy one, but it was really good. And so, hey, we will um, talk to you in about a week. Uh, next week, I have uh, a much more lighthearted interview with another longtime listener. Woo! And so that's where we're going to leave you this week. So I tell you what, y'all go out there, and no matter what form it looks like, do your best to um, stay productive. Plowman's wart. I, I always liked blood wart just as a name. Yeah, it's a good, good name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>